0: Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What we're going to do right now is we're going to wrap up uh, the part one of the podcast now. And and then I'm going to cut and trim and snip and snap and do some things on the audio. And uh, at that point the next episode is, is kind of where we'll be then. Um, so let's start part two now. Uh, mm-hmm. welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> back, be right. back Steve. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we talked about, uh you know what is msp magic your investors developers competitors Mm -hmm. um and even what it's like to get support from you now i'd like to talk to you about some technical details Mm -hmm. um so so now now i've got to ask the really hard questions i'm sorry it's just got to be done (sighs) where's our data stored
1: Yep, easy. That's, uh, so everything's hosted inside Azure. Right now, we're hosting inside the uh, Australia East Data Center. So that's in Sydney, Australia. Uh, the plan is, as the adoption of the product grows around the world, we'll have isolated deployments uh, for those regions. So, for example, if you're a partner in North America, we'll deploy and host you in the future in one of the American data centers inside Azure. And if you're a European partner will hold you in one of the European data centers that they have, and then we'll keep the Australian one for the for the APAC region. But today, okay. no, it's in Sydney, Australia, in Azure.
0: All right, uh, that's unfortunate for today, but that's mm-hmm. fine. Uh, so, if if somebody says I need data sovereignty and they're in the EU, as of right mm-hmm. now, there's really nothing you can do to help.
1: Uh, we can definitely talk about it. So if they are um, in a position, you know if they have a sufficient number of tenancies that we can sort of bundle together with a few other partners, we can look at sort of speeding up that um, speeding up that release in, in the European data centers. Okay. Um, All right. but to date, that question hasn't really come up with um, with our partners so far.
0: Now, what about like multiple mm-hmm. data centers? Because you know you said everything right now is in Sydney, but mm-hmm. what if? Uh, and here's where I get real confused. You guys don't have hurricanes.
1: No, we have a lot of other things that will try to kill you, but not hurricanes. <laughs> oh, actually, no, we do have hurricanes. We have um, we have typhoons and hurricanes in, in Queensland. They wipe out mm. the banana and sugar crops uh, pretty frequently for us.
0: Dumb question. What's the difference mm-hmm. between a typhoon and a hurricane?
1: Uh, I think one is inland, one's out in the ocean. I could be wrong. Uh, oh.
0: I thought they were both in the
1: ocean. Uh, um, you know what? That is actually a part of uh, science class. Uh, and back in primary school, I didn't <laughs> pay quite enough attention to. <laughs>
0: Yeah, told you I was asking tough questions. Um, Mm -hmm. All right, all right. right, So, you know, what if uh, you know you have one of these freaking Australian wildfires again, and it burns down Mm -hmm. your your Sydney data center? Do you guys have something Mm -hmm. set up for like redundancy, uh, high availability, and anything?
1: Yeah, so we basically manage all of our infrastructure as code inside Azure DevOps. We do backups rather frequently, multiple times a day. So when it comes to recovering from a disaster like that, we could spin something up in America, Europe, somewhere else in Australia if it's not on fire, um, and be back up and running fairly quickly.
0: Okay, and you say fairly quickly. Are we talking seconds, mm-hmm. minutes, hours?
1: Um, I would probably take minutes to hours.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Less than a day though. Oh yeah. Okay. Now you said you guys do backups. When's the mm-hmm. last time you've tested a restore of your backups?
1: <sighs> Restores of backups, they test tested a couple of times a week um so we do that for pressure our entire environment whenever we do a deployment of the code we'll back everything up uh we'll test the restore of that backup before we do a new release that way if um something doesn't go quite as planned we know at least that we have the backup and we know that we can restore it so we can do a, a full rollback
0: excellent now with you having access to our data or at least i assume Mm -hmm. you have access to our data it feels Mm -hmm. like you do right um you meet some compliance right
1: yeah so we follow the australian data privacy act
0: okay what what about um hashtag america
1: hashtag america um so we're not really like hipaa compliant or anything like that we're a fairly new company so okay. haven't quite gone down that path just yet uh but we have started with iso certification looking into that um so that's that's a nice item on that roadmap as well for us
0: and you said iso so 27001 mm-hmm. yep excellent um so no hipaa not not yet anyway mm-hmm. um, But starting on ISO, um, do you have to, and here's where I get confused. So you're not managing the data centers. Can you still become like SOC 2 compliant? It's a good question, Steve. We're not sure. All right, well. I mean I'm sure I could make you a sock certification in Word real quick if you ever needed to show it to someone but I have I have no idea how how uh obviously in order to to actually show and prove that you're compliant you have to have an independent audit um, mm-hmm. you're nowhere near that type mm-hmm. of process yet it's
2: yeah I mean look the thing is given where, where we are in this um process it's still very early for us and um you know we're not long out of i guess uh testing the market to see you know is this product going to sink or swim and so really the next thing we're going to have to do is get onto this stuff it's just hasn't been hasn't been the you know number one priority at this point but we you're not the first person to ask these questions of us and uh, for, for this thing to truly be successful, we're going to have to do all those things. And, of course, we want to do all those things. They're just uh, they're not, they're not the easiest things to get done early when you're in startup phase uh, for, for a number of reasons. And Usually, uh, well, I'll say cost and, and also re- t- allocating the resource and the time to get it done. They're, they're quite intensive
0: processes. Mm-hmm. So what kind of information are you guys theoretically hypothetically a- actually able to access mm-hmm. once we start using your product
1: yeah so with the automation platform because we are uh, changing have the ability to change and enforce settings on tenants as well as read the settings so we basically have the equivalent of global administrator access to the tenancies
0: So you could like we're just gonna play. Let's pretend, okay. Uh-huh. So let's pretend a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad person starts working for MSP Magic. Uh-huh. That person could log in to. We'll pretend I'm a, a customer. Uh-huh. They can log in as me and start impersonating all of the administrator accounts for my clients
1: they could if employees had access to that um the only people that have access to that would be taz and myself so okay unless one of us has a evil twin brother that we don't know about i think on that front we're pretty safe we do have a fairly decent segregation uh both as a policy but technically between like our dev testing environments and production. So we do protect the and protect the production environment um, from that um, and basically nobody really has access to that from the dev side it's, it's only literally taz and myself that would have access to that
0: so um, that that terrible horrible no good very bad employee would basically have to socially engineer one of you in order to gain <laughs> access to the production side mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but what about the dev side if they were an employee that is a developer, mm-hmm. what is what is the the possibility of them, you know, slipping some secret code and doing something nefarious? I, I don't know what they can do with you know changing the code, but like I'm I'm looking back to you know, look at what happened at SolarWinds. You know, somebody mm-hmm. somebody did a thing and somehow started uh, installing malware on some really important networks. So what what's the likelihood that somebody can do this? Not will, yep. but can. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, look, a really good question. Um, coming from that sort of MSP background, we are very conscious, very aware of security, that we do hold the keys to a lot of castles as MSPs. And then as MSP Magic, it's even greater again. So we've kind of engineered the product in such a way that there is a... Pretty big segregation between the different parts of the app, and it's broken up into three applications effectively there's what we call the the public environment, which is the the web application that you would log into you'd manage the customers' tenancies um, and even from a partner side if you're an m s p and you have a junior tech that goes in doesn't really know what they're doing they're very limited in terms of what they can do they can like enable m f a things like that, but they can't like from the msp public app read people's emails delete users anything like that so that's what our developers have access to they basically work on the public side of the application <laughs> what we then also have is what we call the protected environment which is where the actual automation runs to enforce the settings on tenancies. Um, that has that's where things like the credentials are stored inside azure key vault That's the part of the application that Taz and I have developed and work on and have access to. Um, That's not something that others would have commit to. So you'd have to really sort of gain access to the protected and the public side of the application in order to do that. Um, And the two kind of have to match. If something gets built in the public environment, you know, the automation Mm -hmm. has to be made by us to to support that as well.
0: Okay, so... I'm just going to keep riding this train until it crashes, Mm -hmm. okay? So, what if Mm -hmm. you guys have a falling out and Taz fires you? Do you have access to be like, F Taz, F MSP magic, (laughs) and just start screwing everybody?
1: No, I would just go to his house.
0: <laughs>
1: That's That'd be much easier solution.
0: So, so like you two theoretically have the keys to the castle. You two have the ability to really screw over a lot of MSPs and even more clients.
1: Yeah, look, we do hold the keys to the castle. Um, that Not is that you sort would of hold, just, yeah. Yeah, we do hold those keys of the castle. And that's kind of needed to do the level of automation that we do. Um, It would probably be really worrying if we could do what we do in the the automation enforcing settings without that that level of access. That definitely would be some problems for Microsoft if that was possible. So there's definitely a a large level of trust between us and our partners.
0: And what if you guys decide you want to go on vacation together Mm -hmm. with your families, and the plane crashes everyone survives but you're just all stranded on an island now there's no internet nobody knows where you are and you're lost forever it's like that uh uh what, what's that castaway with, with tom, uh, tom hanks
1: tom hanks yeah. that Castaway. there's lost yeah. gilgan's island taz, it sounds like a, it sounds like a dream
0: yeah taz will be the guy talking to the soccer ball <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so so like if something happened and the two mm-hmm. became incapacitated for whatever reason now we don't have somebody that can develop the the security portion of the application sure
2: so yeah i mean we just obviously we're just not never going on holiday together is the answer mm-hmm. to that Steve. Okay.
0: yeah you don't really like them the very well anyway <laughs> right
2: no, it's it's nah, a, it's, not, not it's, a, it's a partnership formed out of necessity, not choice really.
1: <laughs> okay. But so we, we
2: pretend. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fake marriage.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to learn like you guys are actually related somehow and <laughs> uh,
2: we go to the same hairdresser, that's for sure. Yeah.
0: I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> um definitely not the same chef though. Mm. No, I can say that because Andre and I have the same chef. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not true. That feeds me a lot more. <sighs> All right. So um, let's talk about some pricing stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, 2FA. Let's, yep. let's stick on security for just another moment. Sure. Um, so I- yeah, go ahead.
2: I was going to say uh, I jumped jumped the gun there Steve I apologize um but yeah so 2FA is is a, is a, is a good question um so we we actually made a decision early on when it came to uh identity that rather than than try to do that ourselves we were just going to leverage what Microsoft had done yeah and take and use Azure AD as the um identity piece
0: for the application so basically you just do single sign on Instead of worrying
2: about 2FA. Yep. That's right. Okay. So really, it's up to the partner then um, to decide if they want to turn 2FA on. However, uh, you'd probably be aware Microsoft made a change last year at some stage, which effectively said to to access Partner Center, you need 2FA enabled on on all of your accounts. I think it was all Mm -hmm. of your accounts or the ones that have access to Partner Center at least. Hmm. Um, and really to onboard to our app, if, if you don't have MFA turned on with the account that you try to onboard with, uh, that MFA claim will be missing in the token and we can't even get a list of your customers. So uh, basically Good. Microsoft have, have, have done that part for us and, um, and look, we think that they're going to do a much better job of securing identity than we will. So really it was a no brainer. For Microsoft partners to use Microsoft Identity.
0: Very good. I Mm -hmm. like that. Um, You're not making things harder than they need to be. Nope.
2: Okay. Simplicity is the key. We may say that a few times.
0: Can you say it one more time? Not right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I want to spread that out. Mm -hmm.
0: I just didn't hear what you said.
2: All right. Simplicity is the key, I, th- I believe. Was uh, <laughs> Oh, oh,
0: yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I thought you said then. Um, all right, so let's talk about some pricing. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, some of these other applications they charge, uh, you know, per administrator. Some of them charge like per end user, and then others charge per tenant. Yep. So. Yep. You guys cost like a hundred dollars an end user
2: uh, uh, not quite um, <clears throat> so again, just just aligning with uh, the simplicity model here we we landed on on per tenant pricing model okay uh, we we don't really you know think it matters too much on the size of the tenant, so therefore we just charge a, a flat fee per tenant um, mm-hmm. and and we don't really have any. Concern about how many texts you have, how many users you have, anything like that. Um, It's just one one number per tenant, and that's it.
0: How much is it per tenant?
2: Well, uh, at the moment, it's $20 a month
0: per tenant. Australian or?
2: That's U.S. dollars.
0: So why do you advertise in U.S. dollars when you're Australian?
2: Well, that's a good question. Andre, do you want
1: to? Sure. So I think uh, USD is probably a much more widely accepted currency globally than the Australian dollar. Um, And with the recent sort of changes in the direction that Microsoft's going, they've recently moved um, their Azure consumption to all be metered in USD as well. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. in the next year or so, they're also planning to do the M365 be metered in USD. Whereas a lot of countries like Australia, for example, we now, right now we pay in Australian dollars to Microsoft, but metering on Azure happens still in USD with like an FX rate. So I guess it's really just kind of try to align a little bit closer to what Microsoft does. So not string too far away from it, just makes it a little bit easier for partners to sort of get up and running with the product. Whereas if we entirely reinvent the wheel, or stray from the norm um, it's just unnecessary changes and difficulty
0: cool and are you going to sell to whoever wants to give you money or only msps or microsoft partners i should say
1: yeah, MSPs, um, we're the only ones that can use the product. A very key part of the uh, MSP Magic is that it does integrate with your Microsoft Partner Center to get your listed mm-hmm. clients that you want to onboard. So if you're an end customer, um, you won't have access to Partner Center, thus MSP Magic won't work for you. And being in the name, we're very heavily focused on on MSPs. We have had a few requests from end customers
0: to use the product,
1: but we just don't really feel that it's a a great fit um, for individual companies to use.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to part two. Check out the demo on YouTube to see this thing in action. Be sure to check back tomorrow for the next episode.